Hi there, Katie here. I've recently had a number of listeners reach out and suggest that we have a place to continue the conversation off air. So I've created a LinkedIn group called Getting in the Loop Podcast, and I would like to invite you to join. The aim of the group is to allow you to connect with other Getting in the Loop podcast listeners and discuss the episodes, as well as share other circular economy related news and views. I've put the link in the show notes, and you can also find it by going to the website, of course, LinkedIn, and searching Getting in the Loop podcast. Hi, I'm Katie Wellen. And join me each week as I talk with experts around the globe about circular economy. You'll find out what's being done to make it a reality, and if it can really solve the problems it promises. It's time for Getting in the Loop. Welcome back to the Getting in the Loop podcast. I'm your host, Katie, and I hope that you're having a great start to the new year. For our first episode of 2021, we are joined by Jennifer van der Heidt. Jennifer is the CEO and co-founder of Loopit, which is an easy, convenient, and affordable reuse system for products. Their reusable coffee cups can already be found in cafes throughout Sweden. Jen founded Loopit in 2019 after her year abroad, or Erasmus, at Linköping University in Sweden where Lupit actually began as an idea at an innovation bootcamp. Jen and her other co-founders won second place and then actually kept going with their idea. And in September of 2020, Jen moved to Stockholm to work on Lupit full-time. In this episode, Jennifer tells us about Lupit and shares her experiences as a circular entrepreneur. You'll hear about what she's learned by setting up Lupit and the one question she always gets asked. And she's ready to answer it for the final time here on the podcast. I'm so excited that you're on the podcast, Jen, and I'm very much looking forward to the conversation that we're going to have. I think it's going to be super fun. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I look forward to it. I mean, I've been following your podcast for quite a while, and I think it's a a very, very good podcast as well. Thank you. Yeah, I think uh, you you sent a screenshot the other day that it was your top podcast of... (laughs) Can I share that? That <laughs> it was your top podcast yes. of 2019 <laughs> or 2020. I mean. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's been it's been genius. I've actually I actually mapped, uh, for example, Hannah from Unwrapped through your podcast because I wasn't aware of Unwrapped. Um, you had her on a podcast, I think. Um, or was it? I don't remember, yeah. but maybe one of the guests mentioned her. So oh, somewhere like that, yeah. yeah. Um, it's like a package-free online shop, and it was super interesting for me as well. So it was good inspiration. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I have met so many people from the <laughs> yeah. podcast that some, at some point it's, I, I picture who it is, but then I, I can't think of their name or I think of their name, but then I don't remember what they have been doing. So, but it's a, just so, so much. And as, as we were talking before this, it's about two years almost that the podcast has been going on and we have like around 60 episodes or something like that. So, um, Sometimes I just look back and I'm like, how have it, how has it been almost two years? But uh, yeah, so I always ask, as you know, from listening to the podcast, I always ask, uh, where are you calling from? And I think the answer today is a little funny. 
<laughs> yeah, it is from Stockholm. <laughs> I'm actually located in Stockholm right now, here in Sweden. So close to you, but not too close. Exactly. We're we're taking the the health uh, recommendations seriously here, <laughs> and we are sitting in different buildings in different parts of the same city. So uh, yeah, um, and you you've been here actually for the last couple of months doing an accelerate accelerator program. Yeah, exactly. I I moved here in September, and um, I moved from from Munich. I'm from Germany originally. And we have started off like with this plus impact accelerator in September. This was like a three months project. And this was the reason why I came here. And uh, now I'm staying here as well to do Lupit. Exactly. So tell us about Lupit. <laughs> I am so excited to dive into this today. Uh, just give a, a short introduction to everything that Lupit is. Yeah, I'd love to. Uh, Lupit is uh, basically our take on creating a more circular. Um, economy. What Lupit is, is we developed a digital reuse system. It's a digital deposit system for reusable packaging. And for that, we have started off in the takeaway industry. So um, we developed reusable cups in boxes. And instead of using disposable cups, you basically just go into the cafe and grab your coffee or your drink in a reusable cup, enjoy it on the go, and return it at any partner location. And by returning it, you receive a digital cup to your account that you can then always exchange for a physical cup again. And this is really kind of our project of that you that we change packaging as a product into packaging as a service, uh, because in the end you just want to consume the the drink in it in the cup and not the um, the cup itself. And this problem of single-use items that we have right now is immense. And we have a litter on our street and the environment and just the idea of single-use items that you design something that is only be used for one singular use. This is crazy, and this is what we what we want to want to change and really challenge that we go from disposing to reusing. Mm -hmm. When I first heard about your solution, I thought oh, this is brilliant because one of the things that and we, we often see like a reusable cups that you can get, for example, from coffee shops, for example, mm -hmm. that you have to be in charge of. And you are the person who is responsible, you as the user, responsible for cleaning the cup, bringing the cup. And I think your solution kind of it solves that pain point of having to remember the cup, having to clean the cup, if I understand how Lupit works. Yeah, exactly. That is exactly the point. I mean, this is how it all started was also because we took kind of the convenience of the disposable cup together with the sustainability from a reusable mug. But as you just said, you know, you don't want to carry around your mug all the time. You always have to remember it first. Then you have to store it in your bag. It takes a lot of space. Um, it spills coffee in your bags. And all these things added up that it's not convenient. And this is the biggest problem that we're facing as well, because single-use items and disposables in general, it's too easy, too cheap, and too convenient to use. And so what we really took is uh, took out like against the convenience from the sustainable uh, from the um, single-use cups with the sustainability from reusable cups and just put it together. And that is exactly what you said earlier as well. We want to go from that you have the product is changing into the service and consuming is changing really into using something. And also that you don't own anything, but you access it. And this really creates a circular system into the takeaway industry. Um, and what just then happened is that you just return it. The cafe basically just puts the cup, you puts it in a dishwasher and gives it out again because our, our cups, they're recyclable. They are reusable up to 1000 times. Actually, you can put them in a dishwasher and they're shed approved. So uh, they are really good and they look pretty. 
So this gives a, a better experience than drinking out of a paper cup. I agree. I have seen them yet to use them, but have seen them <laughs> and I, I do find them attractive. So the thing that I find fascinating about your business model as well is that you work with the companies and the businesses. So you're more of like a B to B rather than a B to C, like a business to consumer. Yeah, exactly. We, we in the beginning started off um, actually as a B to C more of that because we thought like, you know, we want to give the user, the people, um, a more sustainable alternative to consume on the go. Um, but we quickly realized that we need to get the customers, like the cafes and restaurants on board first in order to then in the end that the user basically just has to adapt, they have to use the system. And because also we need cafes and restaurants to promote the system. This is why we really focus on making our system saving money and waste for the customers um, that they enable returning customers as well and that we can also track the consumption the use of products and use this is one of the biggest ones because there are several other real systems out there um i mean this is also how lupid kind of started as well in a way because we had a few systems existing in germany and i did my semester abroad in sweden I did not expect to find a company when I do my Erasmus, but this is what it ended up with. Um, so we, I took part in a um, innovation bootcamp in Lindship University, and this is how I, or where I met one of my co-founders, Sarah. And we basically sat together. We had to come up with a sustainable solution um, according to the SDGs during a 48 hours innovation bootcamp. And when I was in Sweden, I, I, I got here, and I was amazed because I mean we live here in a massive coffee drinking country and there is no real system available there and sweden is really like sustainable and forward thinking but um it just it just didn't occur that there is a real system and so we basically thought of taking a real system that exists in germany and bring it to sweden but we quickly realized that that doesn't work because we need a digital system here we're in a cash-free society so the typical deposit system as it worked in germany didn't didn't work here in Sweden. And this is then how we got our third co-founder, Jonathan, on board. Um, because Sarah and me, we we basically sold the digital solution of Lupit to our first customer without even having a digital solution. So we <laughs> kind of needed we needed a technology guy that could actually do something for us. And um yeah, and that is that has been basically the process as well of Lupit getting started. Um and that has been the most fantastic journey so far as well and especially the tracking of our cups is something that we realize is so important right now um, because we can track the use of every single product we know where one product has been collected and has been returned so we can actually track how many times one single cup has been reused how many cups are in the surroundings and also to now open up our digital platform to any item that can be reused it's not only about like a takeaway industry but really to adapt it to any industry, whether it is for um, retail or e-commerce, um, we're running, as I mentioned earlier, with Unwrapped. So we're planning on helping them reuse their own products um, in their food um, e-commerce or cinemas, supermarkets, anything that you can reuse can be reused for our system. Brilliant. Okay. I, there's a lot that, that I want to unpack <laughs> there. Uh, I've been making some notes about which ones you know to, to, to follow up with. I think Let's start with the process of founding the company because you you've given a little insight of like the background. You were uh, on Erasmus abroad. You then had a challenge with Sarah, uh, and it seems like you kind of took lean startup method to heart with <laughs> saying we're going to first try to test and see if anyone kind of buys this, and then we'll figure out the technical side of it afterward. Um, 
can you give a little bit more insight in kind of this this process and and how it's evolved since then? Yeah, hundred um, percent. Yeah, so as you said, it started off at this innovation bootcamp, and uh, that has been actually a fun journey because we started off actually asking people like, what is it that you want? Um, that has been the the biggest learning for us as well because that is how we really understood the need of the customer as well. Um, and I love that. I love that so much. It's like user centered design. So I'm not I'm not trying to interrupt you, but I just yes, that uh, makes my heart yeah. flutter. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but this is also this is the biggest one that we always that we always and we keep doing it as well. This is how we continuously challenge our system and improve our system as well. Um, because what we want to do is we want to make reuse as easy, convenient, and affordable as possible. And we only do this by actually asking our customers what they want and what they need. And we have evolved and developed our system as it is today according to the those needs. Because we look, we asked people as well, like how do you consume it? Like what do you want? And what is the problem? Why are you not why are you not using, for example, your reusable mark yet? And so we got a, a lot of data together, and then we also did a lot of research as well from existing reuse systems um, in different countries. So we basically put the uh, got the best bits and pieces and put them together into Lupit um, from all the other existing systems. And I think this is also something that really makes Lupit so strong um, because we always challenge ourselves. We we always look at what the customer wants and what the and how the people also behave i basically work at my locations at my customer locations to see how people use the system and this is amazing because that is like the real-time feedback that you need to to improve your system and so basically then we uh we actually won second place at the innovation bootcamp um back then and so we kind of saw, okay, this definitely has potential. And uh, our university, Linköping University, was very supportive. So this is also where we got our first customer then. And uh, because it was the opening of the new student house on campus, and they wanted to be sustainable. And we still thought, like, you know, this is a good timing for us to actually sell our system for the first time. And that way, we actually do we, we sold it for the first time to uh, Balian. We're like, we found this at our first cafe at Linköping University. And this has been the best scenario as well to start it off because university settings, people are very interested in it. They are, they engage in it, they loved it as well. Like these were the best customers and, and users as well that we had and still have. And this is then how it really grew. So we started off last year um, in September, 2019 was our first pilot project at Bhutan. And um, after that, actually universities called us up and they were like, we want your solution. We need you. We've been waiting for you for so long. and this has been the best feedback for us. So we then established our system at Yunshiping um, University, Lund University, um, in Uppsala as well, together with KTH here um, in Stockholm, with a project uh, together with IVL, like the Swedish Environmental Institute. And they've been also looking into reusable solutions and they came about us and asked if they can basically use our solution for their own research project. And this is then how we got established here at KTH in Stockholm as well. And from that, it has been really evolving. And in the beginning, we grew quite a lot because of this university setting, but then Corona came as well, which was a bit of a backfire for us because being present at universities that are closing down was not, not the best one. Um, but this was also in the end, I think really, really important for us as well. Um, and maybe also one of the learnings of the process, we always have to deal with the things, you know, we, you, you never know what's happening, but we always make the best out of it. And that way we, took kind of this pause and restructured our system. We restructured our websites and our app 
Um, and this is also the reason why we're now ready to actually expand our system to any environment, to any industry, um, because we do not only focus on the cups or the boxes. Um, and this has been a fantastic, fantastic journey as well for us to really see that we have to adapt to the circumstances. And this was also then again, as we said earlier with the customers, we had a change of customers as well, because right now we had a few customers that closed down their cafes. So we actually asked them like, how can we help you? Like, what do you need for us to, to, to help you get started and to help you um, save money? Because then we realized that people would love to still go back to the cafe and get their coffee to go but they have an increase in cost because the, the most costly thing of uh, coffee to go is actually the cup, uh, disposable mm. cup. Um, and so by us offering our cafes a solution where they can save money and gain returning customers because they come back and forth, that really helped them as well. Um, and so this is kind of like the, the process up until now today. And um, one of the big ones was then also like the plus impact accelerator, um, to be honest, because that was, amazing to get started it is to get a foot into this whole ecosystem and everyone is very supportive here if you just ask for it and this has been for us the most valuable we got in contact with inspiring other entrepreneurs with circular economy startups as well um or just with investors in large companies that you wouldn't have um, gotten a hold of um otherwise and this is why we grew so much right now and have these many many uh, projects coming up that are really excited yeah, exactly. Yeah, the Plus Impact Accelerator is a program through Danske Bank, uh, Rise. There's other organizations. Yeah. Oh, uh, WeWork. Uh, WeWork, yeah. And Ignite. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, that has been running for three months now. As, and that's the reason why you then came back to, to Stockholm to do the work. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, I was... It sounds like a crazy experience over the last, how many, was it just a one, one year? Yeah, so it was the, the uh, Innovation Boot Camp was in October, September, October 2018. And then we all kind of like, it all started uh, this whole process. Also then with Jonathan getting on board um, and then founding the company last year in July. And then doing the first project in September last year as well, and then kind of like growing ever since. Um, and this has been definitely a roller coaster. I mean, it has been also with us, we've been all doing our masters or uh, studies besides it as well, because it was since it was during my semester. <laughs> Sorry, I'm I'm laughing, just picturing all of that right now. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just yeah. <laughs> makes me stressed for you. <laughs> I know this was but this was also why it's now the best experience or the best decision for me. It was a tough decision to make to say, okay, you know, I'm gonna quit my job. I'm just gonna do, I'm gonna go all in for Lupin without even having a salary. But just the impact that we can create here and the positive feedback that we get from from customers, from other people, that is amazing. And this is kind of where I feel like we have such a great potential and opportunity here to really create an impact, not only in the takeaway industry, but in in all kinds of industries to really create a circularity, like kind of like a, an infrastructure or like a layer in society to reuse items, to go back to the milkman, to go back to um, durable packaging, to reuse items instead of throwing away things. And this has been the biggest motivation for me to actually just do it. Yeah. Yeah. I think there were, I was again, scribbling notes as you were talking, because <laughs> there's so many things that I have follow-up questions about. One of the things is uh, what you said about the digital solution and the fact that this could be used for any other product, essentially. 
I think that's super fascinating in terms of the potential there for encouraging reuse and kind of being this enabler for reuse. Because a lot of times when people talk about circular economy, they talk about digital solutions. But then to me, I think it's a very vague cloud of like, what would this actually look like? Uh, cloud is probably not the right word for that <laughs> in terms of digital solutions. Uh, I don't mean like the digital cloud, but just kind of it's a black box, let's say that. Like it's a black box of digital solutions to enable circular economy. But I think this is a very tangible example to me in terms of how, because if I understand it correctly, you've created basically this software tracking integration system that allows you to track where each cup is and the number of uses that that cup then has, uh, which as you said, that is unlimited potential for any other product, which is kind of key to enabling the transition to a circular economy, because not only can you figure out where products are, you can also figure out product histories as well. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And also kind of really what we see is getting more and more interesting, which is also why we're in contact with Rice, for example, because there's no data out there yet about real systems in that gen like in, in general like with the what is the what is the actual impact and by using our system we generate the data that we need to show the environmental impact of our customers but also as you as a user this is mainly why we, we really want to engage our users as well through our app that you can see how many cups and boxes you have saved what this means in terms of co2 emissions or what it means in terms of maybe even trees how many trees you have saved in, instead of using um, paper cups and this data is something that is getting more and more valid and, and, and important because we need data to show the importance and the, um, and the significance basically of, of, of beauty systems and circular economy in that sense. So this is going to be the most important things as well for us that we actually generate all the data and that we make this data available as well to really learn from that. And also long term to predict movement of cups and boxes within cities. Um, there's limitless opportunities basically and this is what really excites us as well because there is we just tapped upon this in a small scale of reusable cups um and the opportunities that are um coming with that basically is is huge and is immense and this is really exciting because we can i mean one of our like our mission is to help companies reuse products to really help them engage with them as well and to create an impact and this really makes me happy to see that we can actually help other companies achieve their sustainability goals um, and not only reuse items basically or reuse um, single-use cups, but really reuse anything that you can think of. Yeah, it's almost like I'm now picturing, I don't know how the best analogy for this could be, but I'm picturing, um, yeah, like for some reason the human body comes to mind where you're trying to like take stock of where every single blood cell is in the body or something i guess it's the same thing like as you said you can take stock and, and find out where different where different products are um in a, in a system which is very beneficial i think in a circular uh, economy i'm two kind of follow-up questions that i have that i want to ask you the first one I'll, I'll just say the first one uh hopefully i'll remember the second one the first one <laughs> is it, it, kind of the, the flip side of knowing where things are is uh, the concern of like privacy. So I'm curious, since you do a lot of discussions, you say you talk to your customers, has that arrived 
uh, arisen in your discussions? And uh, if so, then like, how has it been addressed? Maybe, maybe it's not relevant. So you can enlighten me on, on that. No, this is a very good question because that is definitely a question we always get as well, um, which we definitely, uh, which we always try to clear out right away because we don't take any data from people. Um, the only thing that we store to use our system is um, the number that every card has because you can use our system by using any NFC related card. You can you can use our app, but you don't need to. So you can basically use your bank card because uh, that again we want to make it as smooth as possible. In the checkout, if you think about when you uh, when you when you grab your lunch, you know you stand in the queue and then you basically just flip your card on the NFC scanner um, and get your and, and pay and then you get your uh, food in a real little box. That is how we do it. And for the scanning of the of the card, we just need the unique ID of the card. So we don't even need your um, email address. We don't you don't need to log in anywhere to use our system. You can just use your card to use it. And so this is kind of like with the privacy that we don't store any data. Um, and we also don't do any money transactions for our system. All the money transaction is done at the point of sale or point of service, as we basically call it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Could you theoretically like see where all the cups are located in like different addresses? <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, we, we know. Yes, kind of. We know uh, if you return them because we store. So we, we know all of our locations, basically. So every location has its own location or no own idea. So we know which cafe has given out, uh, for example, like 50 cups and the other cafe has returned um, 100 cups or whatever. So we do see all the, um, the collection and the return points. And this is also because we follow like a pay-per-use model. Um, this is really important for us as well that we, um, that we show our customers that they save money every time they use a Lupit cup. So this is really important for us. So we take our kind of like service fee every time they use a Lupit. Um, to really show them this is cheaper because we calculated below the cost for a disposable cup to incentivize the customer as well to use our system um, because we really do save money for using it. And that way you can also see, also with the data, you know, we can definitely then see how many how many Lupid cups a company has been has been giving out and to really create this transparency and, um, and awareness about that. Yeah. Okay. So it's not like you can see like where they are in a city beyond the <laughs> yeah, we, point yeah. of service. <laughs> no, we don't track them. We don't track them with like GPS or anything. Yeah. So we, just, we just want to know where they've been collected and returned. We don't, we don't care what you do with it in the meantime, but um, as long as you return it, we're happy. Yeah. Okay. But I think that's, it's uh, still very relevant to get a pulse of like what's been happening, who, which, which, how many are out, how many are in, in use, how many do you expect to come back? Things like things like that. And um, is there a limit to the number of times the cups can be reused? So right now our producer said it's like 1000 times. So it is a lot of time. We have break even about like seven uses of the cups. Um, but so this is kind of uh, a long way to go. Yeah. Yeah. So plenty of lifetime left in the cups is what I'm hearing yeah. you say. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, this is one of the focuses as well from, from our products um, in general. I mean, this is also something that we really, really do and focus on that we work together with different partners. We are really into collaboration and partnerships because our focus is the IT system. So we want to find a producer that produces cups um, because they have the experience there. They know materials and we're already um, right now testing boxes that are completely bio-based from Sweden as well. And this is super exciting because we can then work together. They can be the product uh, provider. 
that is using their products through our system for several industries. And this only then works together if you really open up and just talk to other people. And um, this is really exciting. Yeah. Okay. I would love to hear if there were challenges that you encountered when moving from like non-university sort of setting. I don't know if you've kind of gotten there, right? So yeah, because in my head, what I'm thinking is you've got a university, you've got kind of like a, a, an enclosed ecosystem itself. It's a great sort of testing ground for creating these kind of boundaries because people are coming back all the time. So going into the real world, yeah. Has there Good been one. any differences? Yeah, 100%. Um, what we realized very quickly is that there are completely different customers as well. There are people that don't even care about a system like that. They don't even care if they save money um, or whatever. They just they just don't want to change. But then on the other hand, we have people, one of our customers that we just signed here um, a couple of weeks ago, he's the most amazing customer ever because he's really into sustainability. He basically, when I told him about, about Lupin, he signed right away. I, I think this was my quickest sale ever because he was he was signing with the papers right away. And he was even putting out all the different single use items that he still has in his cafe right now that he wants me to uh, eliminate. He was like, I want you to eliminate all of these ones and make them reusable. And so we have basically really like two sides and uh, it's amazing to see these differences, but this is also what we realized is on what cafes and restaurants to target first. And this is also one of the reasons why I'm, uh, we're, we really want to start in like a smaller scale. So maybe like, for example, like here on Sudamam, um, if, we, if we target a few cafes in one of the surroundings around like Neutoria, for example, we can then show how the system works because our system has this network effect. The more cafes and restaurants we have, the more locations we have for people to really return and to collect it. And this is needed to really scale the system. If we just have one cafe, then we can't really have this network effect and then we won't have the, the great impact that we can generate. And this is also where we see that it's super important to bring everyone together on a table. I am initiating here this a symposium where, uh, where we uh, had our first meeting um, a couple of weeks ago, where we basically put together people from the government um, or from organizations, from customer organizations as well, uh, from Zero Waste Stockholm and a few cafes to really get together to talk to each other how we can create this change together because right now it is me talking to everyone individually but i wanted to bring them together to to create this change yeah yeah um i'd love to see how i can be part of that in the future as well <laughs> and, <laughs> well if you need any i mean you're you've got it under control but you know if there's a if there's any way that i can help let me let me know um i'm thinking in terms of kind of what's next for Lupit, you've talked about the, the possibility. It's not that it's the single-use cups. That's that's the kind of the enabler, so to speak, of you doing something related to reuse. And it's about the reuse system. So is packaging kind of like your logical next step, like other types of packaging? Or uh, do you have things that you can share kind of well, what's next? Yeah, 100%. Um, So yeah, exactly. So we started off in the takeaway industry, but this is also something where we always kind of like rethink um, our system as well, because 
even if Sweden is very forward thinking, we are still a very strong recycling country here. And this is definitely one of the problems. The focus is still on recycling. And this is something where we are pretty much kind of like planting the seed that we say like, you know, in terms of recycling is good, but we can't recycle our way out of the, um, out of the waste crisis, basically. So we need to reduce first and reuse before we recycle it. And this is something where we, where we see a big problem as of today, um, because we don't have in the takeaway industry in general, it is still too cheap and too easy to use disposables with this tax that is uh, hopefully coming in place next year. Um, this will change a lot. This will give us a big boost as well um, that we're very positive about because then people will automatically need to adapt because if they will be just like with the plastic um, back charge, if you if you are charged additionally for using a single use item, that gives you the motivation to actually also from the customer side then um, to use our system because they realize, okay, we actually do save money. But since this is happening all next year, um, we kind of like keep this, this uh, pile or this this area of our work still going um that we continuously get customers on board but we see such a big potential also like in the packaging industry whether it is um for example like this uh one of our first first projects for the next year is going to be with unwrapped um which is going to be um this online shop for packaging um grocery shops so you basically order online you get your groceries in a reusable box and then you deliver it to the customer, you fill it in your own boxes and uh, send it back. But what happens there with Unwrap is right now that they're losing a lot of boxes because they don't track them. They don't know which customer has uh, which box and how many they have. People send back wrong boxes because they don't know which box belongs to which one. So by adding our QR codes onto their product, they can then also track their own system. And we're also in contact with, for example, in general, the whole food e-commerce. This is going to be a massive one. We are in contact with several different different customers. They all work together as well. They all think about new ways of enhancing pallets and in, in boxes in supermarkets. Or, I mean, especially right now during Corona, you know, this online shopping. Um, home delivery. Yes. Home delivery. Yes. Oh my exactly. gosh! Please come <laughs> come fix this situation in my front hallway. Yes. I mean, yes. it's ridiculous. Like. I'm trying to do my part by not going to grocery stores, but then at the same time, I just have so many paper bags every time I get groceries and it's absurd. And I know that like in the Netherlands, I think Albert Hein, they have these like reusable plastic um, boxes that they uh, that they use to distribute their food. Uh, and so you have the added benefit of, you know, kind of now are in this system uh and they yeah. pick it up every time that they come to, to to do it so we need that solution here i yeah i think you're gonna do it jen nice yes we're working on it because that is exactly the thing it's why everyone is annoyed by it everyone i mean if you just think about packaging this everyone hates packaging and this is also the problem because packaging became the cost and the burden of us consumers in a way it used to be it used to be an asset, you know, it used to be we borrowed packaging, but now we own the packaging, but we don't even want to own it. And this is something as well that I that we get more and more, just like you just said, you know, people come to us and we're like, please just change it. And this is like where we where we definitely see a big potential as well and the interest as well from, from the industry. And um, so this is one of the, the big ones that I'm really excited about, um, especially like this food delivery right now, uh, because it needs to change. I dare. If you just also like uh, pizza boxes, I can't wait to implement pizza boxes um, because they always just stack up at home. They take up so much space. And this is one of the biggest ones that I 
like my vision is actually to eliminate the idea of waste you know because waste is something that we created it's a social construct in a way and i want to change this whole thing that we design it from not from a waste perspective and or like from a from a virgin perspective in that kind of way but that you really design products and services from a resource perspective that every output is somewhat an input and as you just said you know with the deliveries we have all the existing things out there we have delivery services go that go from a to b anyway so whether they drop it off or pick it up it's not big of a deal we just need to basically put the bits and pieces together and then to create the system of, of reusing and of circularity within cities yeah exactly i've probably said it so many times on the podcast before but this is exactly like what gets me excited about circular economy because and and i'm now thinking about when i first sort of thought started thinking about this idea of circular economy not me thinking about it but like being introduced to it in uh did not come up with the idea but when i was introduced to it during my studies at delft and how like a lot of the studies that we did in delft were thinking about products and how to reduce the environmental impact of products because Delft has a very long-standing tradition of like sustainable product design. But the thing with like eco design is that you're trying to minimize the impacts of products. And what I was sort of lacking was the sort of systemic perspective of it. And to me, circular economy kind of is sustainability on steroids because it's not just, it's like, sustainability mixed with design thinking. And that's why I kind of really like it because you're thinking, okay, so what can I do from a feasibility and technical perspective? What uh, can I do that's better for the environment? And the third aspect is, which is crucial, and I think you've touched on this so many times before in this interview, the consumer perspective, like what does the user need? And like, let's have something that works in all kind of three degrees um yeah. and that's systems sort of like just designing systems in a smarter way like yeah. um it can be good for the environment it can be uh financially beneficial and it also is exactly what the user wants so uh yeah i just had to say that that this yeah. kind of discussion made me think about uh think about that 100%. And I think I love that you uh, touched upon as well, like the minimizing. And I think this is something as well that I really, really pushed into is that we, we don't like we need to do more good instead of doing less bad. And this is something as well that I always touch upon and always like challenge everyone in a way as well that we, we can't just like do existing stuff and, and systems and structures in a, in, a, in a less bad way, but we need to rethink existing structures. And by rethinking our product economy that we have right now and making that one into a service economy opens up so many amazing business opportunities as well and it brings a like really much like experiences and joy and also a great social aspect which we for example in the beginning didn't anticipate it as well it was it kind of like came about when people came to us and said like you know we're part of this community we're part of this movement and cafes and restaurants they start to talk to each other um, out of their own bubble and this is what really like inspires me as well because we always need to think about why does this exist why do we have a single use cup that we throw away after one single use like this is not needed the only thing that we want in that way is or why we consume on the go is because people want 
to drink coffee from going from A to B. So we basically, yeah, we provide the service of drinking from A to B. And this is really, really exciting. Yeah. I think you uh, you have entrepreneur written all over you as well, because <laughs> it starts with why, like in terms of changing things starts by asking, well, why does this exist? Um, and I would love to hear if you have any tips for any wannabe circular entrepreneurs who are listening right now. <laughs> I love that you say wannabe um, circular entrepreneurs. I hope every, every entrepreneur will be a circular one. Um, but it's a good question. I mean, as I just said, you know, entrepreneurship is like kind of written all over me. This is not what I anticipated as well. I studied psychology. That's what any, <laughs> that's what every entrepreneur says, I think as well. <laughs> <laughs> it can be true. Yeah. But it's kind of, you just, you just stumble across it. And then if you find something that you're super passionate about, you just, you just want to do it. And it, it just feels, you're just, I, I wake up every day and I'm excited to, to work for Lupit and to bring Lupit one step further because in the end, you set the, spa uh, the, the pace and the speed to it. You know, whatever you do on a day brings Lupit, in, in my case, Lupit one step further. And I mean, for one of these, <laughs> um, just do it. That is like my, my main thing. Just, just do it and hang in there. It is definitely challenging times still. We are ahead of our time in a way. So the market and the ecosystem out there is not... 100% ready for circularity right now. We are getting there. So it's a, it's a, this planting of the seed that I, that I talked about earlier. And, but if you enjoy the process and if you always challenge the status quo, and as we already touched upon, always talk to your customers, always look at the need. Um, that is definitely, if you, if you could keep thinking about the why and asking about the why and just really staying close to your customers, there's nothing that can go wrong because when you design something and, and develop something based on customer needs and, and actual problems, then you're good to go. And also to ask for help. I think this is like one of the biggest ones that I realized here too. Also, maybe this is one of the good things why I'm uh, a German living in Sweden, because I'm not afraid to ask. Mm -hmm. I basically just get out there and ask people. I, I meet people and just having a chat with them always brings you one step further as well. But you need to go out there. You need to go out of your bubble. Um, and in terms of circularity, I think what one thing that is really important as well that I um, learned as, uh, um, as well a lot when it, yeah, mainly when it comes to circularity, to think holistically, not because something is circular doesn't mean that it's also sustainable. Um, we need to remember like this rebound effect, as we always call them, um, that we really make sure what are the impacts that we generate with our system. They're all no, no, normally they're really, really good ones, but it's also if you, for example, have an easier access to something, then you also have automatically a more usage. And what this impact then as well is really, really important. So really go absolute sustainable is really important as well. Um, and not to get caught up into, into your own ways of thinking um, in a way. Yeah, I love that you pointed that out. I think that that is something that has started to be talked about more and more. And I did a lot of writing about this during my thesis as well because yeah yeah the um, circular doesn't automatically equate to being sustainable uh and yeah what you talked about like sort of these rebound effects uh because if something's more easy access then it actually could increase consumption so there's a lot of um uh yeah there's a lot of sort of these these questions that still remain maybe big question marks but i think it's great that yeah. then that you know you're designing the system and you're aware of that so that's the first step 
for for that, Jen. So uh, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And I mean, one one big thing is also that we should not underestimate, and also which is really interesting now with like this all like the accelerator programs and stuff coming up, that we really need to work together to create change because this is something that we learned is that one plus one equals three and not two. And this also is really exciting if you. If you start to be open and have the courage to actually change something into and to talk to people about it, this is the best way forward. Because the more you get out there, the more you talk to people about it, the more inspiring you are basically to to show how amazing it can be to go circle and to to create change, the better it is in the end. Yeah. I think it was brilliant how you did the symposium, for example, like to bring people together. That to me is like an example of collaboration. Uh so I think that's a, a great way to, especially if I'm hearing you correctly, it seems like you're a bit, you're having to like educate people, especially in Sweden where this focus is on recycling. Uh, so you're going to have to bring everyone along with you on the journey. Yeah, a hundred percent, hundred percent. And this is also, I'm a massive fan of, I'm not a big, big fan of like this all talking. I want to show people. And this is something I saw that I learned, you know, you need to show them how amazing it is and how easy it can be done instead of keeping on talking about, we need to change and stuff, but it's just take action and just do it and take responsibility also for our actions. Because if we start taking responsibility, then we start to care as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's a talking in circles versus working towards building circles. There's a big difference in, in, in that. I love that. That is true. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. I'm curious because I asked you, I gave you a list of some questions that I might ask you ahead of time. And one of them was about uh, the one question that you always get asked uh, either by customers or investors or it could be like your parents. I don't know. The question that you always yeah. get asked, I'm kind of curious to, and also don't really want to ask this yet because I, I wonder if I've asked you one of those questions. <laughs> I, yes, you definitely hit it. It is always the privacy one. It is yeah. always the privacy one, 100%. Especially the amazing thing about it is as well, it really depends on which country you talk to. If you're here in Sweden, it does, it's not necessarily the first question. If I talked about it in Germany, it's the first question that I always get like, like, what about my data? So this is definitely one of the biggest ones. We don't store data. We don't care who you are and what you buy with it. We only care about you collecting a reusable cup and you returning the reusable cup as well. That is all we want to know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I am guilty of asking the question. Uh, you have now That's answered fine. this question once and for all. So no one else should have to ask you this question to just refer them Thank to you, this Katie. podcast. And uh, yeah. Okay. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's so funny. But I mean, it, to me, it highlights another topic that often gets brought up on the podcast, again, talking in circles, but it often gets discussed about cultural differences and how that's not accounted for uh, in implementing circular economy as, as much as maybe it should B, I think obviously you and other entrepreneurs in this area are very much aware of the differences between uh, cultures and and especially if you're, for example, having a company in Sweden that you want to then implement in Norway, you might think that they are just very similar, but at the surface, but I know from companies that are trying to implement Swedish business models in Norway, for example, that actually it's not as easy as you might think. 
uh, not to mention that they have different laws and regulations often in one region uh, or country that then can influence your ability to operate. So I think you've mentioned this about the cultural differences and between uh, people and how that sort of influences or their willingness to accept uh, different solutions as well. Um, I don't really have any place where I was going with that, but I was just, <laughs> it made me think about, uh, yeah. about that. No, but it's also, yeah, and it's, a, it's a good point as well, because um, what I mentioned earlier is that we want to open up our digital system is, and to help other companies is also, especially that point, I reached out to basically all reuse systems that exist already and uh, talking to them about, because they're, they're like reuse systems in the Czech Republic, in Switzerland, in Germany, basically all over Europe. And to understand what they are doing and how they're doing it and also why the reasons are of it are, are uh, how they do it basically because we do have like small small differences between these real systems and that was has been amazing as well that is also again talking to your customers um and getting out there is really really important but this also led now to us being able to actually help other companies that do the same system as we do in an analog way to help them go digital basically. So we can open up our digital system to their products because they have the products already, um, but lack the digital system that we can provide. And by that, um, it's also really important for us that we stick why our system is so adaptable and scalable because we have different solutions. You can use your app, you can use the card. And this is for many different cultures, very important because not all the cultures do actually want to download an app to use a deposit system. And this is something that we see a lot that we can scale our system a lot easier to different cultures because the behavior is just different. There are countries that still pay by card or with cash um, and others are just using their phone. And I think this is really important to take into account to really understand how people consume and where they consume and what their really focus is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, in Sweden, we're moving towards having chips implanted. No, just <laughs> implanted in <laughs> yes. us and just scanning our hands. I think some someone in Sweden did actually do that. There's, I yeah, I I met actually someone as well with the chip on the arm, with or the the, the yeah crazy wrist or something. Okay, yeah, yeah, exactly. interesting. That's definitely, um, that's not going to happen in Germany. <laughs> not for now. Not with the privacy concerns for sure. No, no, no. exactly. <laughs> um. Yeah, I think it's it, it's you should definitely check out the Albert Hein. I'm going back to what we talked I about. I will. With them. I think this is amazing. Yeah, I, I mean the Netherlands are actually I'm I'm in good contact with uh, many different companies from the Netherlands as well because they are. That is also what I really like about the Netherlands and also about Sweden. Um, there is it feels like we can change a lot here because the countries are smaller. If you think about like in Germany, you know we have like 83 million people living in in Germany. This is a massive shift that you need to change in a way. But here. In the Nordics and in uh, in the Netherlands, there's a lot of it's a lot smaller countries as well, and we have a lot more opportunities here to actually change something because you get to know. I mean, that Naturvotswerk, like the Swedish government, approached us um, as a small, stupid startup that no one really knew about um, a few months ago. That is amazing, and that this is happening here is really for us a great place to be as well, and to get really like this this uh, thinking and our system rolling and going. Yeah, exactly. So you go from a university to then a city in Sweden to all of Sweden, which is still very small scale compared to Germany, for example. Yeah, yeah, but it's great. It's I love it here. It's like uh, the support that we get 
in the Nordics is amazing. And um, yeah, the kind of like the mindset of actually taking action is really, really good. Yeah, well, I think this is a great example of taking action. So I'm so excited, so excited that we were able to finally connect and have you come on the podcast, Likewise. Jen. Um, before we go, I have one last question for you and you probably know what it is because you've been listening <laughs> to the podcast a bit. Uh, so the event that I, the event, I, you know, the more that I do this question, the more that I always like say the wrong thing. I mean, <laughs> I <can't imagine. laughs> um, but the, the final question that I ask everyone that comes on the podcast is about the in the loop board game that I created now five years ago or so more than that. It was maybe seven wow. years ago. Wow. Uh, as a master student at TU Delft in the Netherlands. And the idea of the game is to learn about the importance of systems thinking and circular economy, because in the game, there's 12 uh, materials that have been deemed critical by the EU. And fun fact, there have been even more materials that have since become critical by the EU. I think there's up to over 40, 40 now. Um, but I included 12 materials in the original game. And I think all of them are still listed on the critical materials list. And you're trying to uh, create products that are made from these materials, but it's a bit challenging because there's different uh, situations that arise in the form of events. Uh, so sometimes it's difficult to access these materials, maybe because of a geopolitical situation, uh, or there's some sort of um, uh, new regulations that encourage uh, extended producer responsibility. So essentially, when you play the game, as you're playing the game, you are learning about the materials and the importance of rethinking how we use resources, and you're kind of nudged to go towards a more circular kind of way of doing business although sometimes the linear strategies work in uh <laughs> as maybe in reality who knows we will we will see um so the question that i ask is if you could create an event for the in the loop board game what kind of event would you create that i really like that question especially i i haven't played the game yet i definitely need to play it once uh, i think this is genius um, speaking of showing people how to go circular, um, I think the event that I would love to see is not having waste. You know, the, to eliminate the idea of actually waste, um, that we that waste is just a resource that we that everything that is being put or being used, um, kind of like every output is another system's input. And if we create this as a as a mindset in a way as an event. Um, that would be, I think, really, really fantastic because that way you automatically think about products that um, that you need to make them recyclable. You need to make them from recycled materials, and you need to make them reusable. And if we shift that mentality, um, as we as we discussed earlier as well, you know, from from this virgin view into a yeah resource view, um, into really changing waste into resources, I think this would be this would be amazing to see how we can. How, we, how everything would work out in a way if we just see it as a closed loop in everything we do, kind of having a material pool where all the resources go into um, after being used in one system that is then being used for another system. I think that would be amazing. Yeah, I like it. Right now there's currently like a junkyard and when products are produced, they go into the junkyard. And uh, I think that could be something that really, some sort of twist where you have to find a, a second use for 
anything that's put in the junkyard. And actually we don't call it the junkyard anymore. We just call mm-hmm. it the material yeah. stockhouse or something like that. So exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And that also then, I mean, this is the key thing as well to open up your boundaries as well, because that's why you, you start looking across like, yeah, beyond your own industry, you look at, okay, what supply chains are there? Where can we actually take, whether it's like, also, if you look at all the plastic waste that we have, whether it's ocean plastic, forest plastic, river plastic, all the different things that you can look into, what is it, what we can take out? And if we go to the, or if we get to the step where we don't even have any waste anymore in the environment, which I so much look forward to, if you don't walk around the street seeing single use packaging standing on the, on the streets, um, that is amazing, I think, because then you can really look into different industries. What is the, like the output of one industry? Can we use that in our industries as well? And this really creates this communication and, and collaboration across different industries. That is really exciting. Yes. Thank you so much, Jen, for coming on the podcast. It has been such a pleasure to, to chat with you. And before we go, one last question, where can listeners go to learn more about you and loop it definitely um about always uh, check in for linkedin um because also for all the wannabe entrepreneurs out there shoot me a message and i'm happy to have a chat um but anyways uh, like despite linkedin it's on our website is uh, loop-it.se so loop-it.se um there you find most information but if you want to have a chat reach out to me Thanks for listening to today's episode. Let me know what you thought by leaving me a voice message and maybe you will appear on the next Getting in the Loop episode. Head over to the show notes to find out how to leave a message. You can also leave a message on the Getting in the Loop LinkedIn page. Just head over to LinkedIn and search for Getting in the Loop podcast.